What is this? Give me a second. Is this a cowboy song? What? This is Gene Autry. Who is it? It's Bob Willis. Bob Willis and the Texas Playboys. That's Keep in the heart of Texas. There you go. Stupid, <laughs> stupid choice. Not a bad choice. Sam Smith joins us now. We talked at the beginning of the show about Dallas and uh, Miami, and um, I don't know anything, and Sam actually does know something. Let's start with with the most overall question, which is where are we now? in this series as far as you are concerned? Has it, has it turned decisively one way or another? Not, not decisively. Okay. Obviously, obviously, Dallas has the lead, uh, and my six-game prediction of Miami winning is probably not going to happen. Probably not. But um, a lot of these teams, I think, in fact, last year, as our, you know, L.A. came back and won the last two like that, um, and the games have all been right there, all been close. Uh, so it's easy to write off. You know, we like to write off each team after they lose the game. Yes. So I think you know, I think Miami is still fine. They they just um, you know developing a little mental case about LeBron James. So you th- you think at the moment it will go seven? Yeah, and I still think Miami would win. Okay. You know, and and I, I find it hard to disagree, except that I thought Miami would win in four and then in five, and now I'm stuck with seven because they can't, as you know, win. Winning six. Um, LeBron James is a great basketball player. Uh, If you saw him play in the Chicago series, you would know that he was a great basketball player. I don't think anybody can doubt that. But he's doing so little in this particular series. When, When Magic Johnson goes on television and says, well, he got 17 points, so that's a lot better than eight. Yeah, it's a lot better than eight. Eight is a joke, and 17 for a guy of that stature is a joke about that on 19 shots, 17 points. That's not feeding the bulldog. What's wrong with this guy? Uh, he clearly, he clearly got a mental case going on. I mean, one of the issues, I'm not the issue. I've always considered him, despite you know the buildup and all this discussion of he's whatever he is, is sort of a super supercharged Scotty Pippen, that kind of player, much better. You know, more offensive game, right? But not, and and he, when the first couple of years in the league, everybody was trying to compare him to Kobe and say, you know, and he he himself would say many times, I, I don't have that killer instinct like Jordan and like Kobe. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not going to die about a basketball game at the end. And, and he would say that about himself, and people don't want, didn't want to hear that generally, didn't want him to be that guy, want him to be this other guy. Um, uh, and it was interesting that the comments after the, after the game last night, and you heard earlier when they'd lose, uh, Jason Terry said, well, you know, he's not going to guard me like this. I'm not going to have games like this. Dirk's, Dirk, when he lost, said, I've got out better. And so last night when he lost, he said, well, we scored enough points. You know, not my fault. You know, right. look at me. Um, but he, he's clearly got some issue going um, about because he's been very passive now. They, they haven't quite figured out all season this notion. He played his whole career, you know, with the ball in his hand. Um, and then he gives it up. When he gives it up to Wade, obviously they've called these plays for Wade. And then he just stands there. So part of it's the offense. Part of it's coach's fault. Uh, part of it is that, you know, they're not demanding him to do things. He should get into the post at almost every time. He's not guardable there. I know he doesn't supposedly like to do this. But he should be doing it, and the coach needs to tell him. But he basically hasn't been coached his whole career. Mike Brown never coached him one day. Right. And then Foster 
really doesn't coach him very much. You could see, but the Pulsar's thing is defense, you know, Riley inspired. So I understand that they don't coach much offense there, and Riley, Riley never did much either. Um, but, but they have to demand he do some things, and so, but he's just turned passive as a result and, and hasn't, you know, it's, it's interesting the patterns like last year where he gave up that one game, which nobody could figure out so what, why, and then the next game he had a triple-double, but it wasn't, you know, a big impact game, and they lost, and the series was over. So they, they need him to give, uh, he's a major weapon, and you saw it, like you said, in the Chicago series, he was terrific at, at yes. the end of games and has yes. to do that. Well, let me go back on something you said when you said Pat Riley doesn't coach much offense. Well, when Pat Riley had the Showtime Lakers, it seemed that he coached a tremendous amount of offense. Are you suggesting that he just let them play on offense and coach defense instead? Yes. Yeah, okay. he, All right. he, because he had magic, he had worthy, he had career. But you see, they're not, they're, this, the game last night is the one game that Dallas isn't supposed to lose. Uh, I'm sorry, that Miami isn't supposed to lose for this reason. They got over 100 points. In a high-scoring game, they're supposed to win 100% of the time. No, I look at no, I don't. I look at it the opposite way. That yeah. was Dallas's kind of game. Okay, Dallas, the Western Conference game, wide open. Uh, you know, not as tenaciously defense. A lot of changing ends. Uh, that's the way Dallas wanted to play. Miami, if you watch, if you look, if you really watch them all season, they want to play slow. They, they're not, even though they got these great offensive pitchers yeah. and these two guys, both of them are great. And the notion has been don't ever let them get in transition because they'll run and dunk on you all night and you got no chance. They hold the ball. They shoot late in the shot clock. Uh, they play a much more deliberate game. They, they seem to be comfortable in that kind of game, which is a Pat Riley kind of game. That's the way New York played right. when Pat was there. That's the way Miami played when Pat was coaching. And, and that's the way this team plays because Bolster is a disciple. And the things he says, I could hear him coming right out of Riley's mouth about, mm-hmm. you know, there's always a theme each game. This is going to be a street fight or whatever, some sort of vivid imagery. And, that, and that's very much that. And so when, when Dallas increased the tempo of the game last night, I thought, oh, this, is, this is for Dallas. This is their kind of game. Okay. Is that, and you're suggesting also that in LeBron's circumstance, as he gets scrutinized beyond almost everybody at any point, which he brings on himself by saying this is the most important game of my career, and then even though he gets a triple-double, it's a meaningless triple-double basically because it's only 17 points, you're suggesting there's something we don't know about. There's another thing going on with him? I don't know if it's that or if it's in his head. When they played in the finals, he's obviously younger. Their fourth year in the league, he, he wasn't very good. In he was terrible in the finals when they yeah. got swept. Right. There was one game. I think the first game he was like three for eighteen or something. He was just terrible. And then then they got swept. And you know Wade didn't play well in the conference finals. Shot the ball was like he was like oh, almost he couldn't see the you know Miami was hitting about he's injured somewhere whatever he, you know and he didn't he didn't say he was and who knows uh, but but he was uh, off. But now he's come into this series. And he's just gotten past it for whatever reason. I mean, if you, if you just went back, if you just watched the game and didn't watch the ball and just watched him in, in a lot of the, not only the fourth quarters, but a lot of parts of the game, he'd just hand off the ball. Once they, they do that little light double team, a little basically a show, what they call it. Whereas as soon as he sees the show where the, where the big man comes up, and they took advantage of it a few times, and they ran that pick and roll, and the big guy, you know, Haslam or whenever dope down the lane, and they got a few baskets out of it which they tried, which was good, 
but he gives it up right away. He, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to give it up on that, or you can certainly get the ball back and go. But he's cho- chosen not to for whatever reason, and 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 it's inexplicable because he has to have big. I mean, that that has an effect on the other team when he's making that three, when he's getting to the basket and dunking and doing those things. That's big stuff. And I don't remember anyone ever listing this Dallas team as one of the great defensive teams. Here's the part I don't understand, though. And, I mean, I get this from Wilbon, but I don't think that Wilbon is alone in saying this. Everybody, the entire sort of basketball uh, intelligentsia, goes out and says, LeBron needs to understand that this is still Dwayne Wade's team. Dwayne Wade's the best player out there in the finals. Dwayne Wade is this, that, and the other thing. And LeBron's got to give Dwayne Wade the ball. So when LeBron gives Dwayne Wade the ball, they all scream, LeBron, what are you doing? You have to be more assertive. LeBron, you're killing us. I mean, I hear this every day and every night, and I don't know how to rationalize it. I, I don't, it makes no sense to me. It, it is a delicate balancing thing, but I looked at it a little differently. That it is, it's hit, hit and, and Wade kind of deferred to him all season, it always seemed. Yes, during uh, the season. Yeah, and, you know, tried, you know, tried to... And they both play with the ball. I understand this in seven years and, 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 and all that stuff. But his impact when he, when he you know, has big games is big on that team. And he's the one they pushed for MVP. And, and, and in the previous round, when, when Rose didn't play as well, the, the notion was, see, he really is the MVP. That's right. It's not there, Rose. I think that way. Show, we should vote for the MVP after, you know, he has good games. Um, but, no, he... Uh, he doesn't, he, he doesn't, you know, first of all, you don't need to defer. You know, Dwayne Wade will get his points, you know, and he, he doesn't need to defer to anybody. He doesn't need to be a, you know, facilitator or whatever he's called it in this series. He doesn't need to be. He's a, he, he is a great player. He's had big, big games and he's made big shots, you know. Won that game against Orlando, had that 25 in a row to, you know, knock out Detroit a few years back. He, you know, he's done, he's done it in big times and had big games. He can do it. Um, but also, you know, and you can't have bad games. It's okay, but but you got to keep trying. You can't you can't stop. You and that's what he's done. Give it up, right? And, and okay. Whatever reason. Or do you? Um, and this other thing, Wilbon finally allowed me to say this yesterday on the air without screaming at me about it. But I said, Mike, I just think that some of you guys who who pay attention to the basketball and analyze the basketball don't see the forest for the trees. I don't think you see. How many people in America are rejoicing at the failure of LeBron James and the Miami Heat and in that order? And how many people, it's not so much that they want Dallas to win, although they say they want Dallas to win. They just want Miami to lose. They don't care who's playing Miami. I get this very real sense because everybody who I see who knows what I do for a living is expressing the desire that Miami lose. Do you hear that as well? Uh I think they're the most hated team in the history of the game. And so, and, and I've never right, whatever I speak, you know, friends now because uh, I've been around home more and doing the bull stuff, some of the draft stuff lately. And either I find that people are watching to, you know, because they hate them so much and want them to lose, or can't stand to watch because they're afraid they'll win. Right. Um, and yes, they're really, really. I mean, the interesting part is the only positive, the only. The only negative, the only positive I hear from Miami is people internally in the NBA who don't want Cuban to win. <laughs> they hate Cuban, right? They hate Cuban more than, than them. So it's not that the NBA is trying to get Miami to win. I mean, Miami was, you know, 
uh, doesn't want to. Yeah, they would want. They don't want to see Cuban win. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I I feel see that, feel that, hear that everywhere. So do I. And you watch television, and 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 nobody's dealing with that issue. They're dealing with the. And I'm not trying to denigrate this. They're dealing with the actual analysis and minutia of the game, which is fine. But America is on the is on the doorstep of rejoicing, you know, right. because because Miami isn't going to win and. and I wonder, I, don't, I think this is a one-shot deal. In other words, I think, and we both agree, I'm sure, that Miami will be much better next year because they'll get different pieces. And if Miami wins next year and rolls off three or four or five in a row, I don't think anybody's going to be angry, but they want them to go down this year. They certainly do. I, I'm also not sure if they can get much better or, at all, or better at all. I don't really think really? they can. Yeah, because I think that whatever the labor agreement is going to reflect is going to make it difficult on them um, because of the contracts they've got. So I don't, I don't see. And and, and there's some owners. Well, they got four or five guys who are useless. They're carcasses. Right. They can get right. rid of them and I bring. Get more guys like that. You know, the sort of the Mike Bibby at the end of his career oh, he's kind awful. of guy. Even but it, there is some talk, even I know in the labor talks about. Eliminating that kind of thing, where a guy can give up his contract and go somewhere for one year. I, I don't know if they'll get that through it, sort of minutia, but mm-hmm. I don't know that they'll be substantially different. And so, um, you know, if they don't, I mean, I, you know, if they lose, I happen to think it, it will be viewed as a good season for them. Once we get oh, yeah. past it, yeah. it'll be a bad season for LeBron because they got to the finals and, and he didn't not show everybody up. thought they were going to get to the finals the first year. Uh, so it, it, it won't be the I – know, I know it's it generally viewed, you know, finals or, or your monumental collapse. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, won't, I, I don't think it will be viewed that way in retrospect down the road, but I don't, I don't know if they start losing, uh, it, it, you know, if, if they'll turn it around. Mm-hmm. And even if, even if Dallas loses – Novitsky does not have to worry about getting slammed, right? No, not this time. Yeah, he's right. all of a sudden he's all of a sudden on everybody's clutch player list, <laughs> which like, he never oh, yeah. was. Yeah, I didn't, didn't, I didn't think of that one before. Yeah. All right. All right, Sam. As always, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Sure, Tony. Thanks. Sam Smith, boys and girls. I I just find it amazing that that everything you see, you know, is is game driven and not sort of theme driven. And the theme really is, the whole the theme of the whole season is this one guy, LeBron James, is bigger than everyone, maybe bigger than everyone put together, and people want to see him go down. It seems, seems pretty obvious to me. We will take a break. We'll return with Old Guy Radio. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show.